This is 5-Minute Friday on Yoga Nidra. All right, Steve, welcome to 5-Minute Friday. Delighted to have you here for this very special 5-Minute Friday. Maybe the first time ever that there's been a guest on the show. And so I brought you on because I wanted to talk about Yoga Nidra which we're going to explain what that is in a minute, but I didn't feel like I could speak authoritatively about Yoga Nidra, but I knew that you could. So tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit, a little bit about your background as it pertains to yoga and Yoga Nidra. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for having me, John. Um, I'm really excited about this topic and I'm really excited to share it with you and all your listeners. So I've been teaching yoga for about 15 years. I have been uh, practicing and teaching yoga nidra for about seven or eight. Um, in about about five years ago or so, I started uh, teaching yoga nidra trainings. And so I've developed courses. They're 30 hours long. Um, I've written a book on yoga nidra. I think that this practice is incredibly significant. Um, it's been really impactful in my own life, and I've seen it how impactful it's been in other people's lives. And so it's something that I really feel passionately about sharing. And so I teach a lot of different things in the realm of yoga, but Yoga Nidra is kind of my bread and butter. It's my favorite thing to really teach. And I think it is really impactful. Ah. I think that it's really beneficial for a lot of people because Yoga Nidra um, is accessible basically to anybody. You don't need to know how to put your legs behind your head to get the deep benefits of Yoga Nidra. In fact, all you have to really be able to do is, is lie there and listen. And so um, just about anybody can can do this and get really, really deep benefits from it. That's amazing. I didn't know that you enjoy teaching yoga nidra more than the other styles. You teach a lot of advanced yoga. Um, so when Steve says that he's teaching, he's teaching people how to teach yoga. He, that's exclusively the yoga kind of teaching that he does. And I didn't know that of all the kind of advanced practitioner courses, which must be hugely valuable uh, for you as, as someone to be giving those classes as well as a student to receive those classes, uh, those entire courses. I didn't know that Yoga Nidra was your favorite of all. That's huge. Yeah, I mean, it's got a mixture of all my favorite things. Like I talk a little bit about yoga philosophy and how it pertains to this. Um, I talk about like the applied technique, obviously, and the theory behind the technique. I get to talk about the brain, which we're going to get into a little bit um, today. Uh, and brain physiology and brain waves and all that kind of stuff. And so uh, I think the aspects that come into play with yoga nidra are kind of, I think, the, the coolest parts of yoga. Um, and so it's I just get really inspired teaching this. And I, I love sharing it because, I mean, as I said, uh, basically anybody can do it. And I think uh, basically everybody could benefit significantly from doing it. Beautiful. So let's get into it. What is Yoga Nidra? What does it stand for? And also something that probably confuses people, it certainly would confuse me if I hadn't already also been studying yoga for such a long time, is that when you think of yoga, typically I think that means to people the postures, the physical postures. You think of the asana, uh, because when you sign up for a yoga class, that might be all that it says. It says yoga class. And you go in and it kind of feels like you're stretching, I guess. But uh, that is only one part of the vast yoga ecosystem. So maybe, yeah, so ex ex explain that. <laughs> Why is this called yoga? And um, also what yoga nidra means and what it is. 
Cool. Uh, great question. Yeah, yoga. We tend to think of yoga as the postures in in the Western world, um, when in fact the the yoga itself, yoga itself, just means union. Um, to me, the way that I like to describe it is that the union is between you and your infinite potential, and so it's you recognizing what um, what potential is at the core and how you can project that potential into your reality. And so the postures are one of the ways that we can um, access this understanding uh, as our breathing exercises, as our meditations um, and, and concentration exercises. And so yoga nidra is just one of those styles of meditation, I would say. Um, typically, we think of meditation as we sit there and we kind of do nothing. Uh, yoga nidra is slightly different in that way. We don't sit, we lie down. Um, and it's not self-directed, it's typically led. Um, so yoga, what Yoga Nidra is, is the science of deep conscious relaxation. Something that uh, you kind of hear as a tagline with people when people talk about Yoga Nidra a lot is that 20 minutes of Yoga Nidra is the equivalent to two hours of deep sleep. And so the mm. science behind that is that we have three different components of our night's sleep. We have light sleep, which is minimally beneficial. It has benefits, but not tons. Uh, we have REM sleep, which is when we would be dreaming. We're still kind of active. Obviously, our mind is going. And so we're getting rested, but still not to the maximum capacity. And then we have deep sleep. And that is the smallest proportion of our night's sleep. But it is also the most impactful component of the night's sleep. And so that is where the most rest and recovery takes place. Um, there is a tendency for an age-related decline in deep sleep. However, this is not guaranteed. And so science has shown that with practice, you can increase the capacity of your deep sleep, your deep rested states. In as little as a month of practice, this can be increased uh, quite dramatically. And so this is something that can be measured with brainwave states and, and the 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 relationship between the amount of deep sleep that you have and the the quality of rest, the depth of rest is is quite straightforward. And so the, the more deep sleep you have, the, the more well rested you are and the more well recovered you get. So the uh, again, the science behind the, the restedness in, in deep sleep is that what happens when you get into deep sleep is that the hypothalamus releases growth hormone releasing hormone, and that signals right. the pituitary to release growth hormone. And so the growth hormone, which is also known as somatotrophin, stimulates growth, cell re reproduction, and cell regeneration, uh, among many other roles. And it plays a really crucial role in human development. Studies have suggested the growth hormone plays an important role in mental and emotional well-being and maintaining a higher energy level. Um, adults with a deficiency in growth hormone have been shown to have a higher rates of depression uh, than those without. And growth hormone has been demonstrated um, to have the ability to improve cognitive function, including learning and memory. And so you can see that the more uh, effectively you can release growth hormone, the more it can have wide reaching implications in your brain, in your body, at the cellular level, at the neurological level, there's there's a lot of different ways that that this component itself is is naturally supposed to be helping us heal and recover. Brilliant. Yeah, I was going to ask you about evidence uh, based benefits of yoga nidra, but you've already nailed them on the head. So um, 
So to kind of, I'll try to summarize some of the main points and you can uh, catch the ones that I miss. So as people age, they tend to have um, less deep sleep, uh, mm-hmm. which is the most restorative sleep stage. And um, so the older you get, the more that declines, I guess the more that the quantity of it declines or, or the quality as well. The quantity, yeah. The quantity, I guess, because you're sort of, you're measuring, you're measuring brain waves. And so you get this particular characteristic delta wave, I guess, in deep sleep. That is what it's like. Um, and so the, the number of delta waves, the periods of delta waves that you're having while you're sleeping, that quantity goes down as you get older. But by practicing yoga nidra, studies have shown that with just a month of regular yoga nidra practice, you can end up with, um, with that decline becoming less of a decline or maybe being eliminated. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And not only is are we working with brain waves and brainwave states, but we're also actually working with the components uh, of brain structure. And so there are four major areas of the brain that are positively impacted through a uh, practice of yoga nidra. They are the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex is at the front of the brain. Uh, it's what differentiates us from the apes that we evolved from. Um, we have mm-hmm. a significantly larger prefrontal cortex and the, the prefrontal cortex ga- uh, governs like higher cognitive function. It's uh, our emotional and social intelligence. It's what allows us to be more community based. Um, empathy and insight, th- those kind of things are governed by the prefrontal cortex. Uh, the hippocampus, which deals with emotional regulation, learning and memory. Uh, the temporal parietal lobe, which deals with perspective, empathy, and compassion. Perspective in this scenario, referring to your ability to separate yourself from your problems, your conditions, so that you're not de- defining yourself by I am my problems, right? Um, and so these three areas uh, measurably can be increased in gray matter, which is the 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 capacity for for neuronal um, activity, basically. Uh, And then the the fourth component of the brain that is affected through yoga nidra is the amygdala. The amygdala is the fight or flight response center. And so when a stressor comes, um, the amygdala fires up. What happens when that occurs is that it kind of dampens the prefrontal cortex and other aspects of the brain because it's not really important that you have empathy and social awareness when there is some sort of really acute danger. The problem is that in this day and age, a lot of the stressors that that activate the amygdala are things like um, financial issues or relationship problems or, or job stresses or something like that. And so these emotional stressors are something that we don't necessarily get away from like we would have in previous times ran away from a predator and then gotten safe. And so what happens is the, the amygdala is overactive and so the amygdala over being overreactive dampens the prefrontal cortex the prefrontal cortex is what is your higher cognitive function the the amygdala is like the lower reactive mind and so we have this um, impact of the brain where we're not actually as emotionally well balanced or we're not as um uh we don't have as attuned communication because the stressors in our mind are are tipping us into this fight or flight space. And so what happens is we don't um, necessarily reduce the size of the amygdala, but we normalize the function of the amygdala because the amygdala obviously has incredibly important roles in our life. We just want it to be working properly. 
And so as we normalize the function of the amygdala, it reduces the inhibitory pathways towards the prefrontal cortex. The prefrontal cortex, as it's growing in strength through the increase in gray matter, is then sending its inhib inhibitory pathways backwards towards the amygdala. And so the amygdala is reducing in its overreactivity. The prefrontal cortex is then able to increase in its functioning capacity. And then that pathway is going back to then inhibit more the amygdala um, and its overreactivity. And so it's this cycle that allows the, the higher cognitive functions to take the driver's seat instead of allowing the amygdala to, to make all of the important decisions. Brilliant. Yeah. So uh, four brain areas that we can see are positively impacted through conscious and deep relaxation like yoga nidra. And in particular, you highlighted how this uh, interplay, which is hugely useful to us um, evolutionarily between the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, that amygdala in times past, perhaps being only activated for brief periods of time, uh, but today can be active all the time because you're not getting that like on your Instagram post from the person <laughs> that you wanted to get the like from, and it's been several days now, and what's going on? <laughs> and that whole time the amygdala is firing um, and taking over the prefrontal cortex and making you talk nonsense to all of your friends all the time. Um, <laughs> instead of getting on with things and enjoying life. Um, so brilliant. So that's a great summary of the benefits of Yoga Nidra. So to give us a little taste, so we have some sense. Okay, so we know that you lay down for Yoga Nidra. You know that there's not changing in postures or stretching like we would have with um, the yoga asana that, um, that we often associate with the term yoga. Um, but maybe you can give us a sense. So what kind of circumstances? So we would typically, I guess, a, a group of people, a, a group of yoga nidra participants would come to probably a yoga studio, but it wouldn't need to be a yoga studio. And then maybe mats would be rolled out and you get comfortable on the floor, maybe on some blocks and bolsters, um, put a blanket over top, and then people lay down. And you guide them through, so verbally, you, so you have a, um, yeah, a, a verbal, maybe a script or at least a guideline of something to describe. Um, and so maybe, yeah, so, so tell us, I mean, and correct me where I was wrong on the things that I was saying, but, you know, kind of fill in what that experience of Yoga Nidra is like as a participant, and then what you do as um, the person who's leading the Yoga Nidra session. Yeah, okay, great. Um... So basically what happens is like a lot of our life, we're in a really uh, external awareness. And so what happens is, I mean, with yoga in general and with yoga nidra as well, is that we're trying to take our awareness from the external world and really focus that internally. And so what happens is that we have um, uh, a continuum that we work on and, it, and it, it, it transitions slowly from our more external reality to our more internal rea reality. And so you would lie down and exactly as you said, you want to get comfortable. You don't actually really need anything. You don't need a mat if you don't, if you don't want it, but um, right. mat or blankets or bolsters, blocks, cushions, anything that you need to get comfortable. Because I mean, if you're uncomfortable, you're just going to be distracted by discomfort and that's not going to be helpful. So you lie down, you get comfortable, you try to remain still. And then I would lead you through the body 
And as we're focusing on area, areas of the body, we're consciously inviting those areas of the body to relax and then letting them remain relaxed. Uh, and so we move through the whole body, the whole body starts to settle. And then we do a visualization exercise that helps to relax the brain. Um, and in addition, not only does it help relax the brain, but it allows us to help um, increase our the vivid, uh, our, our, it allows us to increase how vividly we can visualize things. And that is important in terms of being able to, to manifest, manifest intentions, whether they're tangible or intangible things that we want to create in our life. That's an important thing that we're trying to create with the practice of yoga nidra. How do we clear ourselves and then direct ourselves in a, in a beneficial way? And so we visualize it's helping to in increase our, our insight, uh, ultimately, our, our ability to form really clear pictures of where we want to go. Our mind is calming, and then we get to rest in the space of awareness itself. Ideally, sometimes it's hard to obviously shut everything off. But if we have created a conducive space for that, the body relaxes, the mind relaxes, we get to rest in awareness itself without that awareness having to be on something in particular. And then we rest in that space for a few moments. That's obviously a lot of healing and regenerative benefits in, in that period of time. And then before we um, get too active again, we bring our attention back to the present moment. And that is when we start to focus on an in intention. It can be obviously something tangible, like I said. I, I like to think about qualities. I like to increase my patience, my compassion, something like that. And so you reflect on something that is beneficial. Um, so you, you've, har you've recognized your potential. You've learn to uh, in some way harness poten your potential and then you start to learn how to direct your potential and um that's basically the the kind of idea behind yoga nidra after you focus on your intention for a few moments then you come out of it and the practice is complete beautiful so how long would you recommend a yoga nidra session be so what's your kind of I mean, maybe there's even like a longer ideal length. So like, what's the, so, you know, is there some extreme yoga nidra length that might be ideal if people had time? And then like, what's kind of standard, what's the bare minimum amount of time you could do yoga nidra sure. for on a regular basis and have some kind of impact? Cool. Good question. Um, I would say basically 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes or so. Um, those are kind of my boundaries, 15 minutes being the the lower end. Uh, it's really hard. I, I would say it's it's pretty almost impossible to to get everything that needs to be done in 15 minutes without like rushing through it. And if you're trying to do something relaxing and you're you're like rushing through it in an intense pace, it's not going to be relaxing. So 15 minutes is the lower end for me. Um, half an hour, 25 minutes to 30 minutes to me is like really great for um, if, if we have the time and, and you have a typical population that, that may, may not be super experienced with it, might even people might be their first practice. Um, 45 minutes is the upper echelon, I would say. I've done hour long yoga nidras as well. I, th I find the challenge with the longer yoga nidras is for practitioners who haven't done it before. It's, it's hard to remain still for that period of time. Um, and mm. then if the body is pressing into the ground in some way, uh, it can get uncomfortable. And so 
I find for more experienced practitioners, a 45-minute yoga nidra is really powerful. For less experienced practitioners, half an hour of it is really great. And then you come back and you're just like so uncomfortable. And and that obviously detracts from the ultimate purpose of the practice. And so my kind of sweet spot is, you know, 25 minutes or so, 30 minutes. Um, and yeah, I mean, you can adjust a little bit as you need, depending on how much time you have. But that middle zone, mm-hmm. I think, is is something that's great for beginners and advanced practitioners alike. Nice. I've had a couple of great yoga nidra sessions with Jess Allen, whom you know, so a Brooklyn-based yoga teacher. And she started the yoga nidra session with with some asana, so maybe 15-20 minutes of gentle poses, down dogs. um, And then that led into um, the nidra session. Do you ever do things like that? Yeah, totally. I uh, I actually have weekly classes of yin and yoga nidra. So again, some gentle uh, yeah. postures. Uh, I have yeah. done it with it more advanced practices as well. It's again, it's it's that that transition towards deep relaxation. Uh, if if I'm like running around in the mountains all day, and then someone says, "Okay, now sit down and relax," or "Lay down and relax completely," like I'm I'm probably not going to be able to do that. I'm way too activated. And so having something to like catch the attention and then lead it towards deeper relaxation is really important. And so having some postures or having some breathing exercises or something like that as a preamble to the practice is really great because not everybody's going to be able to just like lie down and instantly start to, to turn off their awareness. And so prepping your space and prepping your, your mental um, awareness for your ability to get into this space can only... Uh, I mean, if, if done mindfully can, can really only contribute to, to the depth of the practice in my opinion. So, um, Mm -hmm. yeah, it can be really great to prepare yourself in, I mean, in any way that is necessary to, to get relaxed. I love how for me and probably the vast majority of listeners, the thing that we would be transitioning from before starting a yoga nidra practice, uh, would be probably like a busy work day, a commute uh, juggling, uh, you know, family and a job. Um, but for you, the example that came to mind was, so let's say I'm running around in the mountains all day. And so (laughs) maybe, so something we haven't explained to listeners is where do you live, Steve? Uh, I live in Whistler, BC. It's, it's one of the outdoor activity hubs of the world. And so, I mean, I have plans to go snowmobiling in about an hour. So that is a real reality for most people in my area. I forget sometimes that not everybody's <laughs> like this. Yeah. Yeah. British Columbia. Um, it sounds like a wonderful place to be. Um, all right. So you've told us that 15 minutes would be the bare minimum for a yoga nidra practice, but to just give people like a sense of um, how a practice is led, can you give us a little taste, like just a couple of minutes on, um, on, on what, you know, on what you would say when you're leading a session. Absolutely. Okay. So uh, initially, I would just set the space, uh, get people to lie down, give people the ability to grab blankets, bolsters, blocks, socks, something to put over or under the body to get comfortable. Um, maybe give a little bit of preamble, like I t- kind of talked about some of the benefits of yoga nidra. So we have some context of why we're doing this. Uh, once everybody is still and ready to go, 
then I start to direct their attention. So I would start with the left hand and I would relax the left hand. Um, maybe the components of the hand, if I really want to break it up, the fingers, the palm, the back of the hand, then the left arm going up the left arm, lower arm, elbow, upper arm and shoulder. I'd go down the side body into the left hip and buttock, the left thigh, knee, calf and ankle, the left foot would relax. And then that would be left alone. Then the right hand, I'd break it up. And similarly, again, fingers, palm, back hand, the lower arm, elbow, upper arm and shoulder, side body on the right side, right hip and buttock, thigh, knee, calf and ankle, right foot. Then the whole back, all the muscles in the back, releasing of tension, easing and settling, the belly and the chest softening. Relax the throat and the neck, the jaw, cheeks, eyes, temples, forehead and scalp. And then the body is settling deeper and deeper into relaxation, letting it remain uh, relaxed, letting it remain with, without too much awareness or attention. Sensory input and sensation can be settled. And then I would lead a visualization. So you imagine yourself maybe sitting on a dock in the moonlight, the lake around you still, the moonlight reflecting off the surface of the lake, the trees and the mountains all around. And the coolness and the calmness and the serenity of this space, allowing yourself to be absorbed in that energy, to be absorbed into the scene, to be settled into that serenity. And then after a few moments of calmness and allowing people to settle into that space, um, ultimately the visualization kind of settles for a moment. You might be able to go beyond the visualization and just rest in, in relaxation and space itself. And then I'll invite people to come back to their conscious awareness, but to remain still for just a little bit longer. And then draw their attention to some sort of intention can be something tangible that will serve your better interests, or it can be something intangible like a quality, patience, compassion, discipline, something like that. Focusing on an intention for a moment or two. And then once they have that intention clear, they can set it to the side for the time being, but can always bring it back if they forget what is important and what, what they're trying to cultivate, what they're trying to manifest. An intention is like a seed and the more attention you bring to it, the more you're watering and caring for that seed, the more it can grow. We have that, we come back towards our seated position and we wrap up the practice. Wow. Uh, that was amazing, Steve. Thank you so much for the introduction to Yoga Nidra as well as that uh, fast forward through what a session might be like. Um, perhaps we can have you back on the show soon to provide a full yoga nidra session for listeners uh, to enjoy some time when they're definitely not driving. <laughs> um, so listeners, let me know if you liked me changing things up by having a guest appear on a 5-Minute Friday episode. And let me know if you'd like Steve to come back and guide us through a yoga nidra session. Um, you can tag me in a post on LinkedIn or tweet at me on Twitter, uh, where my handles at John Crone Learns to provide me with your feedback. And so, Steve, 
how can people find you online or reach out to you or maybe find yoga nidra sessions of yours okay great uh i'm my my main uh, the main place that you can find me is on Instagram at Steve Fazari, S-T-E-V-E-F-A-Z-Z-A-R-I. Um, you can also find me at www.stevefazari.com. There is a Yoga Nidra that you can go in there. You just place your email in there and you get access to the download. Um, and so those two places you can find you are where you can find me. Uh, more information on additional offerings can will be found there. Instagram, I'll have... Uh, details on some live classes occasionally that happen, um, trainings that that take place that that I lead, uh, and so to, if you want to stay up to date, um, those are the two places that you can find me most. Yeah. Nice. And there was probably a time pre-COVID where all of your offerings would have been in British Columbia, Canada, but now probably all of your offerings are available online, and so listeners anywhere in the world could. Uh, do a yoga nidra session with you or even do a 30-hour yoga nidra training with you yeah it's actually been great i have students who live kind of all over the world and and people who live in the netherlands and germany and kind of you know asia have been able to study with me um which you know before they would have had to travel all the way over here which is i mean not the end of the world but not doesn't necessarily fit into everybody's capacity at all times and so uh there, there has been a shift to to increased accessibility, which I think is uh, a beautiful thing that we've gotten out of this challenging time. So, yeah. Totally. Well, thank you very much, Steve. And I'm confident we'll have you on for that longer, for that full Yoga Nidra session soon. Um, either way, listeners, I'm looking forward to seeing you again on another episode of the Super Data Science Podcast. Thank you for having me.